0: Christ is, let us say, the real pope, <laughs> the head of the church, invisible. But he is using and he is guiding the church infallibly, even with a defective uh, instrument or his vicar, in this case the pope.
1: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Rome. We are here, of course, to cover the end of the Synod and also Rome Life Forum, which is the Life Site conference that has been held here in Rome ever since 2014, so for most of this pontificate. And uh, we're here today, um, very much graced by the presence of Bishop Athanasius Schneider, as you know from Astana in Kazakhstan. And he has delivered his new book, his new catechism called Credo. A wonderful catechism which answers all the modern questions we have in the church. I was speaking with Alexander Chuguel the other day and he mentioned how it's a great manual for apologetics in addition to teaching our children and everything else. But for all of you wondering how to answer the tough questions on all of the issues we have today and all of the sticky issues especially, um, the answers are right there, very clear, concise, beautiful. We're also here to talk with Bishop Schneider about the current controversy. During the Synod, we didn't hear that much. There was a block in communications, of course. But from the outset of the Synod, we had the answers to the dubia of the five cardinals. And that was very difficult, because that seemed to indicate that priests could decide for themselves whether or not they want to give a blessing to same-sex unions, couples in same-sex unions. Very dangerous. Not marriage. It wasn't to be marriage. Not to lead to confusion about marriage, but same-sex civil unions. And we heard that same thing happen in most of our governments. Before they introduced same-sex marriage, they introduced same-sex civil unions. Of course, it led to marriage, but they all swore up and down while they were introducing same-sex unions, it had nothing to do with marriage. In fact, even to prevent same-sex marriage. So utter, utter confusion. We're going to talk to His Excellency about that as well. But that's raised questions then about the papacy of Pope Francis itself, because how can this be that we have this erroneous teaching coming from the Pope himself? All then and more on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. 2022. was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com, where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Excellency, thank you so much for joining us in the program. You are welcome. And uh, let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of cross, if you would lead us,
0: please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Amen. So... Excellency, there has been just a flurry of activity. It's been beautiful here. Um, We're in the midst also of the Smorum Pontificum Pilgrimage, a traditional mass pilgrimage here in Rome. Um, And uh, you've been very, very busy. So I want to thank you for your time, because I know you've been stretched very much. Let's start with uh, your book, Catechism Credo. Uh, I know you explained it was, um, what did you say, brought by demands of the faithful, and you explained, I believe it was, in reference to someone who knocked at the udders asking for milk. Um, perhaps you can tell us, what are some good ways the faithful can knock at the udders of the, of the Church to get from their bishops, their pastors, the milk of truth?
0: Yes, it was an um, expression of St. Cesarius of Arles from the 5th century, in which even Pope Francis quoted once, Uh, saying that uh, the faithful uh, have a right to a doctrine, to a spiritual nourishment. And if the bishops are not giving them, they must go to them like the calf, knocking on the utter of the cow, mother, uh, to ask milk. And so the faithful must continue to ask the pope and the bishops to give them a true milk, None, a fake milk or fake nourishment, but the true nourishment, which is the word of God, the revelation of God, the doctrine of Christ, which was uh, um, entrusted to the apostles and their successors, the bishops and the Pope, the Magisterium, only to keep it uh, carefully and transmit it faithfully and explain it in the same. Meaning and sense, which all the time the church taught. And so, this is very important in this time of confusion, where even from the highest levels of hierarchy, unfortunately, we are hearing so much confusion in doctrine. Therefore, it's the hour of the faithful to demand that pure Catholic doctrine as a spiritual nourishment.
1: Beautiful. And what were the particular ways that worked with you as an arduous task to make a catechism? And so, any suggestion on particular methods that could be used to encourage uh, bishops, pastors, and so on, to provide this milk?
0: The people, the faithful, on their places, when they are living, they must address their pastors and then the bishops uh, to present them Maybe they can show them, we have here texts uh, already proven by the history of the church, let us say the traditional catechisms like Baltimore Catechism, for example, and uh, ask the bishop, please give us such a clear teaching again. And as did as our forefathers received it, they had the Still, the happiness, our fathers, let us say, our forefathers, grandfathers, uh, until the council, all generations of Catholics, they had the happiness to receive a pure, integral, sure Catholic doctrine. And this they should say, we ask to. Then the faithful can themselves uh, make meetings for... Uh, spreading the Catholic traditional doctrine. Uh, today we have several means in the internet, let us say, also, but also together, together to meet and to make conferences about uh, the true Catholic doctrine and to transmit it to the
1: youth. In his answer to the dubia cardinals, the new dubia cardinals, who asked specifically about this blessing of homosexual unions because the German bishops voted 38 to 8 in favor of it, Um, the answer, as as you mentioned in the press conference for the release of Credo, it it seemed it was an art of confusion, almost an intentional confusion. And he spoke of an openness to allowing it, not marriage, but unions only so he's talking then not about giving confusion on marriage and for all of the activists like myself and those who worked all around the world to defend traditional marriage that sounded very familiar because we heard from our politicians the same thing oh no not marriage not marriage only unions so that we won't have marriage why is this approach not possible in the church to to give blessings for homosexual unions it is in
0: fact uh, simply a play with words uh, deceit uh, in a cunning way because we are not uh, little children who do, do not understand this. This is evident that already the fact that it is a couple to same sex couple uh, couple. Uh, this is already a, a message, a demonstration of propagation of the sin of homosexuality, the sin against nature. Otherwise, they would not join. They were, they were joined because of same sex erotic attraction. And this is um, uh, against nature, it's against reason. And it, they, it is a message that we can live such a way and exercise sexuality in this way. And this is contrary to the creation of God, to the will of God. And this is, since it is against the creation of God, against the wisdom of God, against the will of God, it is extremely uh, harming the people himself, this, this couple, because what is against nature and against the will of God is harmful, deeply harmful and therefore such so-called only to bless and what we will bless concretely, even when they don't say we are a marriage, but we are a couple attracted by same-sex erotics. And so we will bless the same-sex erotics. We have to to name the the things by their name. so to bless basically sin or to bless, some will say, but this is completely naïve and irrealistic, or oh, they will live in chastity. It is completely naïve. And uh, because we are blessing in this way, the, the near occasion for sinning for them, when they will, uh, why they ask the blessing? As a couple, not as a sing, singular person, of course a singular person, who has this problem with same-sex attraction, can come and ask a blessing to, to overcome the temptations, to, to be able, with the grace of God, to live chastely. But as a single person, he will not come with his partner. This will be a contradiction in his way to live against uh, according to the will of God. So we see all this is a very cunning, deceitful method and the church can never cooperate in no way in such supporting of so-called same-sex unions or couples, and uh, such blessings are
1: uh, in themselves a real abomination. It's a stunning word to use because we are dealing with times that are so unbelievably confusing. and. Um, It's coming from what you might say is the holy place. Uh, Because in in the scriptures, you know, you read in Revelation about when you see the abomination of desolation in the holy place, that's when you know the times have come. We are in a very strange place because even at this synod, where it seemed to start with the response to the dubia, but then there was kind of a, a kind of Synod held on the part of Pope Francis himself. He met with Whoopi Goldberg, and that went all over the world. Whoopi Goldberg met with him and praised him for his promotion of homosexuality. And interestingly, Vatican News Service is where that was broadcast. In addition, he met with Sister Janine Gramic, who I'm sure you might know uh, was sanctioned under John Paul, uh, Pope John Paul and Benedict for her work against the faith with regard to homosexuality, as I'm sure would have been Father James Martin, who of course was named to the Synod. And then the Pope even met with leaders from these various groups, the so-called Catholic groups they call themselves, but pushing the LGBT agenda inside the church. And all of that went on all this month during the Synod. So grave confusion, in such confusions, along with Amoris Laetitia before it, and the, the answer to what Amoris was supposed to mean, given in the Act Apostolic Sedis, which was the heretical interpretation, but nonetheless said to be the magisterial, one that's authentic magisterium, and other examples that you could give, which I'm sure you know more, better than I do, have led people to question the papacy of Pope Francis. What's your approach to such questions? The first,
0: of course, it, it's a very sad phenomenon, even a tra- tragedy. Uh, all these um, uh, actions of Pop Francis, which you mentioned, now well, recently, it is basically he is um, using the papacy, such a sacred, the most sacred mission in the church of Peter, is using this, in this case, abusing to be a supporter, basically, of the worldwide LGBT agenda of the gender ideology, even even though he affirms that the doctrine of the Church will not change, even though he several times said that we must not accept the ideology, of the gender, but de facto he is supporting them with his actions, with his praxis. And this is a typical method of the modernism in the last century already, since the modernism came in the church a hundred years ago or more, and especially after the council, that they say, let us separate from one the doctrine and then the praxis could be different. This is contrary to revelation and contrary to logics and uh, common sense. This is a dialectic of of the modern unbelieving philosophy of Hegel, let us say, and Marx, <coughs> which says, we our we have to stress the praxis. Uh, the doctrine is not important. And so in this way, Pope Francis is continuing uh, giving these signs uh, very confusing Uh, by his actions he is undermining and contradicting his own words and the teaching of the church and this is very sad but god permitted this it is not in our power we cannot change this god permitted it we have to see this phenomenon of this pontificate also in the supernatural vision Uh, because we are not a human institution, we are not an NGO, we are not a political party where we could depose uh, the leader. No, the Pope receives his uh, power directly from God, not from the Cardinals, not from the Church, but directly from God. This is Catholic doctrine. And therefore, no body of the Church, no cardinals, no council can declare the pope deposed because of some crimes, let us say, moral crimes or doctrinal crimes, in this case, supporting heresy. One thing is important to stress. It is a dogma of faith, which every Catholic must believe, by divine faith, that The pope is unable to do an error in doctrine when he is proclaiming or stating, making a statement, ex cathedra it is called. Ex cathedra means a definitive teaching which he must announce as such, must be announced, and imposing it obligatory for the entire church. Mm -hmm. These are the conditions. If these conditions not are given, the Pope has not uh, the divine assistance of infallibility of or not committing error. This is basic Catholic teaching. We have to of old catechisms. We have to remind these people forget this, and we had in the last decades or even centuries an implicit, absolute infallibilization of the Pope. Mm-hmm. It means that every word, every statement is per se infallible. De facto, the people believe this, and still now. This is not Catholic, simply. We have to return to very sober theological thinking. And so, by logic of the dogma, all words and statements, documents, which the Pope is not presenting as infallible teaching, are theoretically, in say, capable of errors. It is a logical consequence. Thanks be to God, in 2000 years, even almost in the majority of cases, overwhelming, the divine providence assisted the popes that they, even in their ordinary or daily magisterium, uh, which was not infallible formally, they were preserved uh, from errors. But this preservation of errors, outside ex cathedra definitions depends on the collaboration with divine grace of the of the singular pope. Mm. It depends on him, how much he is prayerful, how much he is obedient personally uh, to the tradition, to his prayer and so on, how much he is consulting good counsel, counsels and so on. On this depends also his being free of errors, even in his ordinary magisterium. So, you see, this is a ca- basic Catholic teaching. Therefore, the Pope can commit errors and heresies outside the ex teaching. This was demonstrated in history already. In the very rare cases, the first most known case was Pope Honorius I, who in his ordinary documents, in his official papal letters to the Patriarch of Constantinople, twice, delivered a quite ambiguous teaching on the Christology, not directly formal heretical, but ambiguous. And even though it was not formal heretical, um, after his death, he was condemned solemnly by three ecumenical councils as a heretic. Mm. So maybe it was a very very severe condemnation. But his successors, condemned him also, not as a heretic, but as one who was helping to promote heresy. Mm. This was the qualification which his successors gave him. And so, but nevertheless, his successors, several popes, even saints, after Honorius, they named him publicly, uh, they condemned him publicly, posthumously. So we have such a case. And then the other case was John the 22nd in the 14th century, who in his ordinary preaching, magisterium, uh, repeatedly promoted a, a, a material heresy. It was not yet formal, saying that uh, there is no beatific vision. A beatific vision starts only after the last judgment uh, when Christ will come. This is contrary to Holy Scripture and the entire tradition of the Church. And people were scandalized and were criticizing him. But only one Cardinal had the courage and the parousia to resist the Pope. The other Cardinals accepted because it's the Pope. Hmm. As today, for example. Thanks be to God, Pope John the Twenty-Second repented before he died. Just before he died, he got the grace of God to repent. He retracted his errors and asked pardon. Then he died. And the cardinals elected this cardinal who resisted him. He was elected his successor, Benedict XII. He proclaimed ex cathedra, the truth of the beatific vision, that this starts already when the souls are purified and go uh, to the presence of God, or the saints who are directly going to the beatific visions. So you see, we have such rare cases, and therefore uh, we have to know these cases. And now, therefore, we can live with Pope Francis, who who is spreading errors in doctrine, outside his... He is never doing uh, excluded decisions because he does not like something... um, Pope Francis repeatedly said he does not like something definitive or precise. Mm. He he likes ambiguity. Mm. In some way, God permits that he is not speaking definitively. And therefore, we can live with Pope Francis, even if it is so tra- a tragedy for us all. But and then the other aspect, we have to say that the Pope is not the church. It's not identical. The Pope is also a member of the church. And he is not... He is, of course, the, the, the visible head of the church, but the invisible head of the church is Christ. He is a vicar. So, as, as Christ is the main celebrant in every Holy Mass, not a priest, and Christ is the main celebrant and doing the consecration, the priest is the necessary, of course, visible instrument, and living instrument. And so, in, in, in analogy, it's with the papacy. Christ is, let us say, the real pope, <laughs> the head of the church, invisible. But he is using and he is guiding the church infallibly, even with a defective uh, instrument or his uh, vicar, in this case the pope. And this we have to believe. And But this is the error that many pious people, even in the past, they, in such a way, exaggerated the vision of the papacy, that they they cannot believe, oh, when a pope is doing an error, then it's all collapsing. The church is collapsing. No, the church will not collapse. The church is more more stronger, stronger than an erring pope or or a moral bad pope. It's stronger. And can endure a time even of a pope who is spreading or helping spreading heresies or in his pontificate or helping these ideologies as we today state this. Therefore he is not eternal. Pope Francis will, has, will also as we all will die one day and appear before the judgment of God. And the church is not in the hands of Pope Francis first. The church is not in the hands of ours. Therefore we have not to say now we will we will gather and we, and we will do a solution to this problem with this pope. No. This is completely human. Uh, this could we do when we were an NGO, but we are not. Therefore, we're not, we will now, let us say, gather the cardinals and say, you have to, to state that he a heretic and he is therefore losing his papacy. And so we will, we will resolve the problem. No. You will not resolve the problem. You will even worsen the problem because we had such cases in the history plenty where then there were two or three popes. and This will the same scenario. Exactly. You have not to repeat this. And then I repeat, this approach is too human because it's not in our hands, the Church, not in the hands of the Cardinals, but in the, hand, in the almighty hands of Jesus Christ. And he will resolve this. It is Of course uh, a very um, grave trial of faith for us all and we have to endure this accept this cross i think this is one of the heaviest crosses which god can lay upon our shoulders this pontificate and then at the same time we have to pray for pope francis that he may be illuminated that he may gain and obtain the grace as John the twenty second obtained before he died to repent, to retract. We have to do this. What we will help when we will uh, when we will speak with vulgar language against Pope Francis. It's nothing helping. It is only human anger uh, and frustration. No, we have to pray for it. well of course we have to admonish him. We have to admonish him, and I try to do this, but respectfully. We cannot behave ourselves with vulgar language and with anger. We have to behave ourselves with dignity, supernatural spirit, clarity, of course, but respectfully. As St. Paul gave us the, the axiom, I would say, veritatem facientes in caritate. Do the truth, do, but in charity. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely beautiful. I I think it's particularly beautiful what you said during the press conference that you do it out of love and you sort of never have loved or prayed for someone so much in your life as Pope Francis. Yes,
0: exactly. I'm now saying this. Never in my life I prayed so much for no one and asked prayers and even offering sacrifices. As for Pope Francis and this is true love, this is true friendship, this is true fraternity. Beautiful.